Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Everybody Fits Podcast. I'm Amy. And I'm Kim. And this week we have the wonderful, fantastic Jessica Fosterke on with us, who is a writer, comedian, podcast host and co-host and an avid, as she puts it, PE fanatic. And I would call it a little bit more than PE, Jess, because you are very, very (laughs) strong very strong so do you want to tell us a little bit about you about how you got into comedy and then how you got into lifting just a little bit about Jess yeah sure thanks um oh god how I got into comedy is quite long and boring but basically I a friend asked if I didn't really know what I wanted to do I was a baby. I was only about 24. And a friend asked if I wanted to um, like enter a writing competition for the BBC. And I did. And then they did some sketches from it. And I went and watched. And there also one was some improvised comedy. Um, and I was like, that looks fun. Could I have a go at it? And they were like, yeah. And then I joined a really bad improv group. <laughs> and then I joined a really good improv group. And then um, some of the people that were in that improv group have gone on to be Sarah Pascoe and Gemma Whelan of Game of Thrones and just really successful, basically. They were, it, was, it was a very, it must have been like a really charmed group. Um, I took a lot longer than a lot of the people in there to get anywhere with my um, comedy career, but it was a very talented group of people. Um, uh, and um, yeah, called The Institute. And then, yeah, I, I, basically I was really good friends with Sarah and she started doing stand-up and I, it looked fun and I, about a year later, was brave enough to give it a go and then completely fell in love with it. Um, yeah, and I think, I don't know, with the with the PE, um, I mean, that's been a more interesting, I think, journey in the sense that I've always, I did... I did enjoy some PE at school. I hated, I've always hated running. I hated like cross country or anything that felt like punishment at school, which I wish I'd, um, I wish I'd sort of clocked as a red flag then. But I, I always enjoyed um, literal PE in the sense that I loved anything that didn't feel like exercise for the sake of exercise. If it was fun anyway, so like I was on like the hockey team or uh, the football team, if there was one, stuff like that. So, but I never took it massively seriously. We had a, a patch in sick form where we did badminton every lunchtime because it was an option like in free and it sort of took up half the lunchtime. I loved that because you'd have a laugh and you wouldn't even realise how like sweaty you'd got. It just felt like a bonus that you knew you'd exercised afterwards because the, the action itself was so fun. And I, I didn't really clock that at the time, I think, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, and then into adulthood, I only ever exercised to try and lose weight. Um, and... It took me a very long time to realise that was a pretty grotty motivation for me. Um, And that was that sort of motivation was what was keeping it being unsustainable, really. And and not to say that, you know, there weren't times where, you know, I I basically lived my entire adult life on some kind of diet. And it's not to say they wouldn't work in the moment. You know, I think it's um, it's a pretty familiar story. I'd I'd hemorrhage a load of weight really quickly. Sorry for talking about weight at all, but it was so relevant to me getting into any kind of fitness. I'd lose a load of weight, um, but I would be very sad doing it. I wouldn't be enjoying any of the things I would be doing. I'd be plonking away at cardio. Every now and again, I'd go to a gym and, and go and do all the cardio I felt like I had to do. And then for a treat would let myself fart about with the weights machines. 
thinking that that was like a sort of irrelevant sort of pudding. Um, and then, yeah, um, I think it all sort of came together in my, a few years into my 30s, I um, sort of had a bit of a, an epiphany about the diet industry and this sort of cycle of perpetual failure and dissatisfaction and self-loathing that meant that I was sort of constantly shrinking and this it wasn't a sustainable way for me it isn't for most people to live in in hunger so I would live in hunger for long enough till it took to lose a bit of weight and then the weight would come back on I'd always end up coming back to roughly the same weight but it would be heavier each time because you know, for me, it was a cycle basically of restriction and binging. And it meant that that relationship with exercise was also unsustainable because I was doing it with sort of really sad and um, impermanent goals, really. I'm not meant to be in a small body. I never will be. And because I'm also not prepared. I mean, I think there are some people who are prepared to live in a state of hunger for their whole life because that they care that much about thinness. And I realised like. it's not for me I can't be sad for my entire life just to be in a a frame I'm not meant to be in it doesn't and and it never it jarred with me as someone who doesn't massively care it's not that important to me what I look like as opposed to what I'm doing so come flash forward to today because I feel like I'm giving you such a long answer but like long story short a friend introduced me to the weights bit of the gym to make me feel less scared of that area of the gym I realized I loved it and as the years have gone on, I'm now head over heels. I do CrossFit, but I also focus in on the weightlifting aspects of CrossFit. So powerlifting, Olympic lifting. Um, I, f- I dabble with a bit, little bit of strongman. And um, and uh, now I train for joy, for the sheer love of it. And I, I train six days a week, sometimes twice a day, between one and three hours a day in the gym because I love it. I work out in a gym that's got no mirrors. It's all about what you can do um not about what you look like um and changes in what you look like are a bonus that's not to say I don't enjoy feeling like I look strong but um and I think that's a really it's a I wish I'd realized younger how much joy there is to be taken in feeling and looking strong as opposed to just looking thin <laughs> which is all I cared about for so many decades yeah pushed on us isn't it like that is what yeah. we exercise for and and I think people are starting to realize but it's slowly and, and surely the message is getting across um so I mean as well you're talking about how often and how long you train for I guess that what you do stand up you have a lot more flexibility and yeah to do that because of oh. the, it's like nine o'clock or ten o'clock at night that you're getting onto stage so but it must be really difficult to maintain that and have all those late nights and and yeah. kind of and I know you've got a young son as well mm-hmm. so it's a lot to balance and, and juggle and how do you manage to do so I think it's about prioritizing I think it makes me feel so good that it's about prioritising, it's all like layering, isn't it, of priorities. So there'll be times where because of work and because of parenting, I can't, I don't train that much and I can't, you know, if I'm going to go and visit my family, you know, with my son or if I'm going to go on any kind of adventure, uh, yeah, I can't train that much. I can do drop-ins. I think one of the rings 
I think in terms of fitting that all in, that I think it's amazing specifically about CrossFit, although there are lots of problems, I would argue, with the brand. It's a bit of a cult. <laughs> Um, and there's a lot of I think sort of mildly terrifying rednecks at, at the very top of the tree but there's a lot of brilliant things about CrossFit too and one of the brilliant things is um, each CrossFit gym is encouraged and mine does to let members if they take responsibility for them bring their kids so I've been able to take my son to drop-ins even at, at CrossFit gyms all over the country um, and mine let me if I haven't got childcare that day he'll come if it's an hour he'll come really happily sit with some colouring or whatever and and he loves what if, especially if it's weightlifting class he loves watching it and I love the idea that he's watching a load of women get really strong and lift huge weights like and he takes he can't he's seven and he my gym starts um it's also sort of an olympic weightlifting gym within my gym and they start um kids and teens at nine and he cannot wait to start doing it so that's fun and that's one way that I fit it in um I think with work I think it's about really like listening to yourself I'm not out every night anymore I'm really lucky in the sense that when I'm on tour yeah, my my nights are late and there's a lot of adrenaline or if I'm doing a festival or something like that. But then you rein it in, you know, you know, you need to sleep more and do less. Basically, I can't I know I can't do it all. Um, um, so that that that's um, if I'm like at the moment, I'm just at the beginning of a four night run in a theatre, but near to where I live. Um, so I'm not going to do more than one thing. I'll do an hour a day um if that and I'll put make sure there's a rest day in the middle of that as well up the rest days etc but and I think it's just same as my view on eating really it's like if you can get to a point where it's pretty intuitive you know there are times mm-hmm. where you're hungrier than others there are times where your appetite isn't really there as much I feel the same about moving my body in the sense that there are times where you're like gosh I'm like I'm in the mood today I'm gonna like send it and there are times you're like I am gonna bimble through this and just get a mild sweat on or just get a vague feeling of an it like you know I'm just gonna move my body for the time I'm not gonna put any there are times you've got more to give and less to give and I think it's about following that and you know I'm not um yeah I'm not going to the Olympics or anything I'm never going to the CrossFit Games it's for fun so there's no need for me to I don't know push through any particular pain barriers or you know if I've got really important work on then I'm not going to ruin myself for that yeah yeah I think sometimes as well often if you have got a busy life doing a little bit of exercise can help fuel the energy to to then go and um you know and and do more really um depending I mean it's all about listening to your body and I think that's the thing it it because you're now doing it based on how you feel it's so much more sustainable and so much more enjoyable and um I really really related to what you said about you know the potential of being miserable the rest of your life if you do want to stay thin because that's like 100% me it's like (laughs) I managed to just, I mean, I don't even know if everyone's got different um, descriptions of what thin is. I mean, I'm only just managed to potentially reach that slightly, um, but I was, I was miserable and there's no way, there's absolutely no way that um, I'd want to have the rest of my life starving myself or just constantly battling with my own body and I think that's such an important message for people to know that you can still be fit and healthy and you don't have to be skinny um 
we so need more of that especially oh this time of year with all oh the- my god I, I wish it's it's um oh I mean I'm on a lifelong mission I hopefully it won't take hopefully it won't take my whole life but I, I can't it blows my mind that still I think so I'm in the middle of making a radio series at the moment about women that do all sorts of different types of weightlifting and I'm talking to like Emily Campbell and you know these extraordinary Olympic lifters and some of the strong strongest women in the world from strong man as well as all sorts of people and um all of them agreed and they're all from such different disciplines but they all agree that like the language around fitness at school is oh. still so toxic like and I'm watching my son at primary school and I think you know I was like where's he got that from he started commenting on the nutritional wheel that's on things in supermarkets or it's on all packaged food and I was like "Mm." I mean I don't I want him to learn about nutrition but I hate the idea that he's already attaching shame and guilt and complex emotions to anything that comes up in red on a wheel and it's like oh you know you need to you you're seven you need loads of carbohydrate you need loads of fat you need loads of like you need I'd much rather you learn about like Oh, nutrition from the point of view of a really holistic point of view like what does your body do with protein what does your body do with fat what does your body do with what does your gut microbiome do with something that's fermented what does like I wish they got into nutrition they don't at school it still feels like PE is to keep you thin not worse like make sure you don't get fat or stop the fat people being fat like the language around it is still if not that overt coded for that right and it's like the, uh, oh and also it does it feels really it just feels so dated like that sort yeah. of re- relationship with me and it's just embedding the same toxic seeds that we all had that kind of act as a barrier to taking joy from movement because other different people are going to take different take joy from different things you know I, I've got friends who take incredible feelings of achievement and um satisfaction and huge chemical highs from running for a long time or from swimming or from walking or from like all these different things and for me it's like I really like being I like weightlifting I like the sort of I like weightlifting in a group which is quite a converse thing I like the camaraderie of it I like the team feeling of it but I also like being present in my body I like how much focus it takes in the moment um yeah I lo- and I and you get a different kind of your body's released different chemicals after different types of exercise and I like the type that you get after lifting heavy things or like short sprints of things and other people like the feelings you get after a long bit of sort of low level endurance it's fascinating um but we're not even though that's just a sort of fact-based mechanical way of looking at movement and nutrition we're still not doing that with kids we're still looking at it from an entirely basic bitch like overly reliant on calories with no history of what a calorie is ultimately fat phobic base point and it's ruining things I think it's really genuinely it's genuinely ironically I think making people fatter and less healthy it's making exercise and gyms and spaces where people move feel more prohibitive and more judgment laden and it's like sorry my my cats have come in and they've decided to fight (laughs) Just a loud fight. Conrad. Conrad. Amazing name. Oh, God, he's such a dick. Leave her alone. Cats are dicks. Cats are dicks. I love these cats, but they are such weapons. Also, like, I'm sat near their water fountain, and they're both just, like, 
there's room for two at the fountain. I don't know what the issue is. <laughs> I thought we, we've got a huge dining table and we sit on and eat dinner opposite each other and our cat will come and sit at the head of the table and just sit and watch us while we eat as if to be like, yes, I'm observing. So yeah, cats, cats are weird. Cats are, cats are weird. As if one day you're ever going to go, would you like some of my dinner? I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting what you're saying about children and, and pee and the relationship with food um, because we do need to take a more holistic approach when it it comes to health and it comes to children um, and I actually I work with a, a, a community interest company called the Body Happy Organization you might have heard of them and yeah. it's um, run by well it's founded by Molly Jo Forbes it's all to do with positive body image and I was running um some workshops yesterday with LES and PE teachers and it was oh, brilliant fascinating talking to them and have understanding their attitudes and their struggles and we were talking about food and the way that they talk to children about food and I was like obviously we don't talk about good food we don't talk about bad food but why not start to talk to children about the benefits of food and talk about food as you know it's more than just fuel it's a feeling it's it's emotion it's memories it's it's everything and when they talk about movement we look at the intrinsic benefits of movement and one of the teachers there said that they have started taking their year six girls into a gym to lift weights and they're starting to see these girls coming out of their shells because they're the girls that kind of stand in the corner and feel uncomfortable and they don't really like running around and they don't feel right in their bodies and suddenly they're feeling strong and they're gaining some confidence and it's it's something that they've never tried but they have the opportunity to and I just thought that was great like it oh it's brilliant I love to hear it and I think that's such a great age as well to start with that kind of stuff because I mean you're right in the belly of puberty which is such a fucking I mean, I'm sorry, I don't know if you can swear on your podcast. It's such a hellscape of a time for everyone, you know. It's such a hard thing, I think, to be like, you know, between the ages of 11 and 17. Um, and I and I think as well during that time, I mean, I don't, I'm a comedian, so I don't definitely know all the science of this, but I know that when you're, basically, when you're a teenager and when you're a toddler, your prefrontal cortex in your brain is like going for it right and the chemical releases of that make you like ultra moody it's like the lay person's way of putting it um and there are different types of release that help with that and like I just think there is psychologically there is something to be said for the the type of uh chemical release you get from lifting a heavy thing for in for you a few times um as opposed to I remember um yeah I mean I don't mind saying like it my when my son's a toddler he was a flipping handful <laughs> he's still quite sassy um but he um when he was about three three four when we were in the first lockdown his behavior was so wild that I did have a conversation with a child psychologist about what I could do to help him and to help me cope with his tantrums essentially and he said um one thing is to even though he's only three or four get him to lift heavy things not barbells or dumbbells or whatever but like fill up a bin an empty bin with a few heavier toys and get him to take it from one room to another and it has a different effect to 
you used to think of like giving kids a run or giving them a run in the park or whatever. He said it does have a different effect. He went, the downside is it will make him stronger. <laughs> um, but um, but actually, I think that's true for teenagers as well. Like what a, hu- what a hugely important time to have something that feels like you're releasing a pressure valve in terms of e- movement, as opposed to, I think those types of longer form endurance exercise, which again, for some personalities are going to be the thing that works, but like we've just haven't given, especially girls, the option of strength sport as a type of movement that might help with mood regulation. Yeah. 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 I think frustration as well. Like when, when you are a teenager, it's, it's frustrating because you've got very little control over everything and we talk, we've said about the hormones going on in your body. You don't know what the hell. And just to have that option to be able to be like, I can control this. This is something that makes me feel good. But also it stops me wanting to kick a hole in the wall because I'm really annoyed and I don't really know why. So mm-hmm. it gives me an, an opportunity to take it out on something. I think it's great. Yeah, totally. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of ways to to um I'm sort of trying to think of a list of of things that it for this radio show that like like if you've always felt curious about weightlifting but never given it a go it might be for you if you know and one of the things on the list is if you're someone who's ever needed to go into another room and scream into a cushion because yeah. I think actually actually a surprising number of us have done that and <laughs> Yeah. I think yeah and I don't mean I think I worry that actually I shouldn't have said how often I train because I think that's like you say it's unrealistic for most people with most jobs um I don't know how anyone gets up at five and goes and exercises mm-hmm. at six before they get to work whoa you're amazing I'm in <laughs> awe of anyone like that over. but well I will I will say that I I am a personal trainer so if my yeah. first client's in at six and I've got a one-year-old my opportunities to train are very few and far between so sometimes if I've woken up and she's not woken up I'm like yeah why not I'm away let's go yeah 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 and I think I think my brain works best on a morning as well yeah Yeah, I'm the same I I, it really for me because I've got ADHD and so like my anxiety levels go really like I need that I need that fix that fix of dopamine that fix Mm -hmm. um and if, if I do a workout first thing in the morning, that's me set for the day. I can focus so much more. Um, but at the end of the day, there's no, as we know, there's no right or wrong time. There's no right, yeah. right or wrong way. It's whatever fits with you and it's knowing. And that's what when it starts becoming empowering as well, because you get to know your body, you get to become connected with what your body needs and what it wants. And, and I think that's why weightlifting in every sense of the word can be so so powerful um in building and building the body image as well because there's there's nothing quite like feeling strong yeah I mean it's it's kind of like that don't fuck with me mentality (laughs) yeah we need need more young women to feel like that to feel like yeah I mean, it's young. a funny one, isn't it? I, th- I think, again, there's some people, there's still a bit of a barrier and I don't know so much with younger women. I don't know, but I definitely hear a lot of women my age and older say, well, I, it's a lovely idea, but I don't want to get bulky. And yeah. you think, oh, <laughs> I mean, there's so many problems with that. But ultimately, ultimately, the fact of the matter is that whatever a woman wants to do with her body or not do with her body, it's up to her. So if you don't want to get bulky, don't get bulky. But there's so many layers on which there's an... I mean, for one, you won't. <laughs> Unless you're going to... 
unless you're going to, re- you know, completely, you know, unless you're going to eat more protein and train an incredibly massive amount, you're not going to. You're not going to um, get bulky by accident. Like, no, yeah. nobody, nobody that you think looks, but nobody who you're looking at to say, well, I don't want to look like them looks like that by accident no. you know and, and and I think there's a fundamental difference as well between um the weightlifting I think that I'm kind of talking about in terms of like a bit of power lifting you know a few big compound lifts and some accessory lifts which is what most people end up doing if they yeah. do weightlifting that's a very different thing to bodybuilding and mm. I think there's a real misconception that all weightlifting is bodybuilding which is where you really restrict your diet you eat an enormous amount more protein than you want you're barely allowed any salt it's like a really strict 10 to 20 week program and you do lots and lots and lots of reps high high reps and medium weight like it's a very specific type of weightlifting that makes people look like um I suppose Arnie I'm trying to think of like a more modern version but like like a bodybuilder you know with like all the fake tan on and everything and in a way you know again amazing for them the dedication that's taken is extraordinary but I think I, it tickles me that you know an aunt of mine would be like well I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try a deadlift because I don't want to look like that you're like you're never gonna look like that from bodybuilders don't deadlift they they de- often don't squat they don't do like the weightlifting that actually builds joint strength bone density etc 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 yeah it's um it's a bizarre it's I don't think people realize how little they run the risk of getting bulky and even if and the other thing I'd say is that even people who have weight trained for long enough to see some muscular definition on their body I've never met anyone who hasn't seen that and then gone oh actually I really like that yeah (laughs) that looks really hot I like seeing a tiny divot in my shoulder yeah nice shoulder thanks very much I like my shoulder better now (laughs) there have been actors that have come out and spoken about it I think it's like Zac Efron and Channing Tatum have spoken about how rigid and restrictive the diet is, the exercise regime, and then they didn't like they didn't enjoy it at the time. They've done it for a role, and then afterwards they've just stopped because they're miserable, absolutely yep. miserable. And it's 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 not something that you want to maintain. But that in itself, I think, is terrible that they have to do that for a role because then that is adults children watching a film and seeing something that is completely unattainable and And unsustainable for any normal person probably unattainable even once for most normal people with most normal lifestyles and certainly unsustainable for the for even for those people in that situation who are and those actors I mean as much as that's you know it's hard way to live they're being paid an enormous amount to look like that they're being led they're being guided they're being given given the most incredible support financially and literally, you know, they're being, having their hand held through the process of getting to look like that. And then also on top of that, they've got most like people don't have that. genetics yeah. as yeah. well. Yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, yeah I mean, they're, they're obviously talented in what they do, but they, you know, they they, they look good, um, you know, quote unquote good or societally acceptable bodies and and you know even if you get somebody that with different genetics that has all of that that has all of that um that money and and nutritionists and there's a lot of people that just wouldn't get to that as well so there's that it's yeah 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 it's a bizarre thing isn't it and then that's the standard that's held up yeah for us like for us and it's like well it's not this isn't actually it's really sad as well that like a lot of fitness professionals are genetically 
thin or you know or and or just take part in disordered eating and then push it on their clients and then anybody that isn't thin um and doesn't take part in disordered eating they've they've failed and they're unhealthy and they're Mm -hmm. you know and and a lot of the time in the fitness industry like for example for me I didn't go into the industry until fairly recently um I always want I've always loved fitness I've always loved the way it's made me feel and then because I couldn't keep control of my weight I thought well who am I to to advise other people in in fitness so I held off for so long and actually now um I'm I'm a lot bigger than, than than what I have been previously but my business is bloody successful I'm I'm you know and it doesn't matter what you look like. Um, you can still be in fitness as a profession or even just as a as a hobby. And there's I think it's a, a real need for a lot more diversity in um just in general, in in so in PE and physical activity. Yeah. In, it's in, in all PE, in fitness and I'd say in nutrition, yeah. you know. I think I've yeah. spoken to enough people in my podcast as well who say exactly like you've just said, Kim, but but you know, people that are like I've always been fascinated by nutrition. I've loved learning mm-hmm. what different things do to different bodies, but I've never felt like I deserved a place in that world because I'm in yeah. a fat body or I'm you know, I'm not in a thin body or I'm not in a white body or I'm not in a, and you're like, fuck me, you know, it's mad that we've got this like one standard of of yeah. what a person's meant to look like and it's not just schools you know it's medicine still thinking like that it's the government still it's um it's but there I mean there are people making huge huge waves at the moment and it does feel like it's so much easier to have a sensible conversation about things like we're having than it's ever been before and hopefully if we're passing on this noise to our kids then it's all kind of on the on the up and up and I think the other thing as well you said it's so sort of good and interesting it's not like it's not even about how sort of your size what you look like it's also about weight I think I wish we would move the conversation on from how much people weigh um I think so I've had it's a fascinating and often these days because I shout so loud about my thoughts on weight loss etc um people in my life are a lot cagier about what they'll say to me about my body but I am um, I still got a few family members like, like my mum who can't sort of can't help themselves but they they've had to reframe how they say you've lost weight uh or they'll say like oh you look tight or oh you you look oh you are looking ever so fit and then they'll sort of make a gesture with their hand that means lost weight the irony is I haven't I haven't lost any fucking weight like my body's changed because of the way I'm moving my body but um I and I would haven't weighed I hadn't weighed myself for years as part of my sort of um recovery from a lifetime of disordered eating and journey towards um health um I I sort of shunned weighing myself but because I'd taken part for fun in a few weightlifting competitions where it's part of it you get weighed at the beginning because you where you come in the rankings in the competition is um that's part of it is your age and your weight um to put you in the right category to make it fair I've been able now to like know what I weigh and meet that information with neutrality in a way that I had no idea was possible for me um but I also know that I weigh an amount that historically I'd have spiraled about I'd have really had horrible mental health consequences of finding that weight out the way I am now and probably just spiraled into some horrible disordered eating as a result of getting that information and so it tickles me that people are like oh yeah well, you, have you done a cut have you done this have you done that and it's like have I bollocks I eat what I want I exercise for joy 
But you yeah. think, I don't know, how funny. And I've, actually, it's a little bit more to go, oh, I want to tell you how much I weigh. Because you're like, mm. because I'm technically obese. But I know I'm the fittest mm. and healthiest I've ever been in terms of both my relationship with eating, my mental health, but also my physical health. I'm the strongest and fastest and fittest I've ever been. And it's got nothing to do with how much I weigh. You know, mm. that's and it. That- and I don't just do weightlifting, I do gymnastics and cardio and blah, blah, blah. You know, CrossFit's got a bit of blooming everything in it, even running. Mm. Um and so it is what it, it's all it's all just balance and functionality i wish people could come at it from just the facts and i feel like focusing on weight really actually distorts the facts yeah it's, yeah. it's completely counterproductive to health isn't it you know and i mean we, we all know i mean a lot of us now um know that bmi is bullshit and you know and and it, you know it's going back to um what we were talking about earlier with sort of kids and and school it my um my little boy's 11 um i need to stop calling him little because he's like my height now but um <laughs> he he's he's the sort of guy that goes like he's grown and he's gone up and then he's gone out and then he's gone up and he's gone out and um as as kids do and sometimes yeah. they'll stay out sometimes they'll stay up sometimes they'll meet in the middle but he got his um bm he got weighed and measured and, and everything at school and uh i'd forgotten to opt out I, i'd got the letter and i put it to one side and was like right now i'll have to tell them and then months later the letter was there still there on the side i was like oh shit and then i got an um a letter come through saying that he's overweight and that he um it, he needs to be mo- I can't remember the words it was like he needs to be monitored and I thought bloody hell if I, if that was if I got that letter a couple of years ago to put my son on a diet mm. and the thing is is he oh. has got um an amazing relationship with food he's autistic so it's it's not as straightforward but I don't I say what is straightforward relationship yeah. with food? but like He'll eat when he's hungry, he'll stop when he's full, and he'll pick and choose what he fancies. Sometimes he'll pick an apple, sometimes he'll have a packet of crisps, but there's no moral value to it. And that's what, which I find amazing because as he held for like five, six years of his life, probably more, I was dieting. I didn't have that attitude. So I'm actually amazed that he's managed to kind of, I've managed to hide it from him. But yeah, I know it's, I went off on a rant then, but yeah, basically. No, I, hear you. <laughs> like I can't believe they're still doing that in schools. Yeah. Like it's so incredibly unhelpful. Well, I, I wish I'd just focus on health. Like it's just steering away from health. Yeah. If you just encouraged kids to like, like know what the nutritional value of different mm. foods is, know what they, and then know what happens when they enter your body. Mm. You could get, it's so patronising to just have it as that one note as well. I think kids, loads of kids would be fascinated to learn what happens if you have a protein with a fat or without a fat. Like, that stuff's so interesting. And that's the science. Mm -hmm. And it's going to have, and they teach kids the fact that different, every kid in a class could eat the same thing and it's going to do different things to each one of them. Yeah, yeah. Like, because they're different and because their microbiome's different. I wish they would, it's, Oh, honestly, yeah. it's ridiculous how things haven't moved on. So again, talking about when I was speaking to the teachers yesterday, and one of them was saying that one of the children in their class does have an issue with food on the spectrum of like eating disorder getting there. Mm. So they had a nutritionist come in, like NHS prescribed, and they're still getting the eat well plate out. Oh and my god. Salads and vegetables and meats and and I'm thinking, 
I did this 25 plus years ago. Like, why, why are we still a quarter of a century later talking about food in the same way when the food we eat now, for one, is completely different in the attitudes that we have towards food? And there are so many different cultures that are included in different so not, like why are we still putting meat and two veg on a plate or a salad with some, yeah. with some fish or it's it's just bonkers and that's coming from the nhs so really when and i know that it's yeah. everyone and it's 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 rules and regulations and what they have to go by and they don't necessarily agree with it but if that's what's being prescribed and that's the support that's given, it's just completely baffling. And yeah, I, I yeah. agree. We totally need to change the attitudes around it. Um, and your attitude towards food is obviously fantastic. And you're passing that on to your son because your podcast, it's clear that you love food, Jess. Yeah, I do. It's all yeah, you yeah. talk about. It's great. And yeah. I mean, what are you, 200 plus episodes into? Oh, God, yeah, five years now. Talking to people about food. So it, it's yeah. obvious how important it is to everyone. It's it's such it's such a huge thing. Um, and you mentioned on your podcast that your son has, has started wanting to be pescatarian or vegetarian because you've explained to him that he's eating animals and things so how's how's that going and how's I don't want to say how's his relationship with food because he's always yeah, got, got a great, great relationship, relationship with food, with food. He, it, it's um it, it's fascinating that it's quite a fluid thing with him and I think it's so he's just got to seven and um I think there's lots of really interesting stuff about that age because I think they're just mm. um there's they're it's a developmental stage where they're just coming to grips with their identity on new levels. I think they're realizing some of the ways in which they're different to their peers and the people around them, you know, in, in terms of all sorts of things, I think apparently it's um, Steve McQueen, you know, the artist and filmmaker did an amazing um, piece on this um, because it's, it's around that age as well that they've become aware that they might have a different race or religion to their peers. And so all of that stuff is so interesting. I think that's what's happening with him in terms of, these eating choices I think it's a bit of like and I it's fascinating to see and it's really fascinating to also watch my imperfect parental reactions to this uh how much control to flip and give him but like you know he he wants to start taking some power and some control over what he eats and when um and I think similarly you know I'm lucky in the sense that I've got a kid who does eat very I mean he does it intuitively he's almost always hungry he loves talking about that he says eating is his favorite thing in the whole world um he's got really funny covert ways of getting me to give him something that's not but you know nutritionally of much value um he'd be like i'm so starving not for fruit <laughs> um, i get all of that like i but he ultimately i'm very lucky in the sense that he will try anything and he, he, he yesterday i sent him off to his ear to like a an art, a club he goes to a type of PE club and um and uh, afterwards his dad was picking him up and I knew his dad had been working all day so I said I've got some curry shall I put a box of that so you can just microwave it and um and he said yeah yes please and my son was like what what is it are you putting in there and I was like it's your dinner and he's like what is it and I was like it's a very mild it's hard it's not at all spicy curry anyway I don't like I'm not gonna like that 
And I was like, yeah, I know you will. It was too sweet for me and it's got sweet potato and I know you will. And I just got a text message at about six o'clock saying, in quotation marks, it's actually really nice. And I, <laughs> so I was like, oh, so he did end up like it. And he'll try it and he'll give it a go. Yeah, vegetarianism wasn't a long phase for him. <laughs> he's now, a, he basically, he's a flexitarian. He's a, <laughs> one of his best friends, Archie, his uh has got a he's vegetarian he's got one vegan parent one omnivorous parent and and my son adores archie and so for a while he wanted to be vegetarian like archie but then he also wanted to celebrate um eid like musa and then and he told me he's converting to islam and then uh and i was like absolutely go for it i don't know what the admin is involved but i don't see why not um and then he got absolutely raging with me last february because i hadn't I think he called it Trove Tuesday. I hadn't produced pancakes on the right day. And I said, well, I'm going to do it the weekend when we've got more time. I don't want to rush a pancake morning. I'm going to, Let's just do it the weekend when we can have loads of pancakes slowly and enjoy them. And he was like, and then it won't be Trove Tuesday. And I said, but it doesn't matter because, you know, we're not practicing Christians. And he was like, well, I and I was like, oh, that was a quick conversion from Islam. <laughs> so I think basically he's happy to shift religion and um, and vegetarianism, pescatarian on depending on who's having the nicest festival of food <laughs> um yeah he's he, it's fl he's quite flighty it, he's no longer a vegetarian is the short answer to your question but isn't it great that he's got such a fantastic attitude towards food and I do think that that's one thing that you see with kids I mean my my little girl's only one but she literally is in the phase of we will no longer go in the high chair I must learn yeah. to feed myself although I am not quite capable of using a fork or a spoon without everything going everywhere oh god it's fun but I basically will put things on a plate or in a bowl and sometimes she's absolutely starving and she'll come and she'll sit and she'll eat and she'll eat and she'll eat sometimes it takes over an hour and she'll go away and she'll play and she'll come back and she'll eat a bit more and she'll play a little bit more yeah. and she'll if it's something new she'll pick it up and she might like look at it and put it in her mouth and chew it a little bit and then spit it out and then decide that she actually does like it and she's trying to get and it's fantastic watching her because I think she is just she is literally eating intuitively over Christmas she went through a phase of every day she wasn't bothered she really wasn't bothered there was nothing she really wanted and um, my mom is disgusted that she doesn't like chocolate she's not finished by it and she thinks it's the worst thing in the world um, and then suddenly one day, because she, she doesn't walk, she runs, runs everywhere and is like a million miles an hour. I couldn't feed her. It was like everything in sight just needed to go into her body. And again, my mom finds it weird because I'll let her eat like a biscuit before I let her eat some pasta before I let her eat. The, nothing has any order, but yeah. that's what she wants. And it's that kind of connection to food that I think that we've lost the ability to just eat. I'm not saying eat what we want, but eat to not just fuel our bodies, but to, to enjoy it and to listen yeah. when we actually are hungry rather than going, oh shit, it's one o'clock and I haven't had lunch and I'm not hungry, but like it's lunchtime. So I'll eat lunch. Where yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, and it's, it's, great that your son is so exploratory I mean I was howling when you were talking about him trying um what fish was it where it, it had the eye and he was like is that its oh. eye and he just ate it. 
That was yeah, good. that was white bait. I'd forgotten that. Yeah, yeah he was like, "Is that his little light?" Um, I was like, "Oh god." Yeah, we um, it's that experimentation that you don't realize how it makes you realize how learn all of your by society, all of your like hang-ups about that stuff are. So I remember the same thing, you know, when he was tiny. I remember there being days where. It's busy. It's far too busy to focus on anything to do with food. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, on the third morning, just as that little panic is starting to set in in your feeder mum heart, mm-hmm. you just sort of put away three Weetabix. You're like, oh, all right. <laughs> Today's the day you're refueling. Is it like, yeah, fascinating. And I think they are experimenting with feeling full, feeling that bit fuller, yeah. or like not, you know, I guess I suppose. Yeah, and you try and get back to that as an adult. It's a long, rocky journey, but I think you can get there. You know, I think there are days where I have days where I'm like, wow, especially with PMT, I have days where I I cannot physically feel full. There is no amount of food that will fill me today. And then there are days where I'm, at the moment, because I'm at the beginning of a a frightening little run of doing my shows, I'm so full of adrenaline all the time that actually it is a case of going like, um, especially going to move your body, you do need to make sure you eat more, a little bit more than you want, because I'm not that fussed because of just what chemically my body is doing. It's like hearing it and going, okay, sometimes push a bit past it, sometimes, yeah, and sometimes you can listen to that and go, well, if you're not hungry until midday, you can have something at midday, like, yeah. Yeah. It's hard, isn't it? And I think it's very, like you say, it's extra hard this time of year because Christmas is really tricky, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah. 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 All of those messages that you have to be better and do better because it's January and be yes. better and yeah. doing better is eating less and moving yeah. more and like <laughs> calorie deficit and all this bollocks. Mm. Like <laughs> that's what it all equates to. And it's, um, it is oh, the it hardest is month of all to try and do anything that's going to make yeah. you sad for crying out loud. Yeah. I, honestly, I don't, sad, to be right? honest, I don't even really understand people who do dry January. It's, yeah. I reckon have a, you don't need a fully wet January, but have a damp January at least. Whatever yeah. gets you through it. Let's talk about. <laughs> I always feel sad because I think about the amount of food waste that there must be in January. Yeah. Because people always go, well, I've got to get rid of it. If I haven't eaten it, I've got to get rid of it. And I think at least go to a food bank with it or like oh my god yeah at the moment you could walk around the city and find people who need need it sat on the street but it's yeah it's absolutely insane and you've talked about getting strong and talked about getting bulky but what about getting hench jess (laughs) yeah i don't know what the difference is into that very nice very Very nice smooth so you wrote an entire show called Hench mm-hmm. um, and talked about, I don't know how much of it was true to life and how much of it was for the show, but you talked about someone in the gym calling you Hench and how that made you feel. Mm-hmm. And then you talked about a trainer in the gym and the experience that you had with her and how it made you want to kind of no longer work with her. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about it yeah so yeah it's all true um yeah somebody gave me a very at the very beginning of discovering sort of lifting and realizing I loved it um a guy I think it, I, I'm pretty sure it, it was flirting or he definitely just wanted to engage in a conversation with me but um a guy came over and called me hench and I basically started in I knew intellectually that that isn't an insult I mean it's still I get 
I get internet trolls calling me a hench as if it's an insult, even after, you know, three years after having done a flipping whole show or reclaiming the word. Um, I know it just means big and strong. So I know it's not objectively an insult, certainly to a feminist. But <laughs> when the man called me hench in the gym, I did just begin to cry. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And I think that's what made me think there was some comedy in it and a, and a future show because... I think it's very interesting whenever you have a conflict of head and heart over any sort of situation and in conflict, from my point of view as a comedian, there is often comedy, certainly in a mismatched expectation as well. So, um, yeah, someone called me hench. I didn't quite know what to do with it. As time went on, I was able to process it. And I think now if anyone if anyone comments on my body in a way that they're commenting on my muscularity, then I feel nothing but joy and complimented. Um, genuinely, even if they're trying to be an asshole um and then yeah so I just dabbled with personal trainers that, that sort of worked in co the commercial gyms I was training in really and I got on it was a bit of a fall from grace I got on so well with this trainer um she never really believed me that I didn't want to that I wanted to get strong I tried very hard I, I, I'm still having a bit of internal conflict. I'm still in, in an early stage of my journey in terms of my relationship with eating and my body and stuff like that. But I did say, do you know, all I want to focus on with you is just getting me strong. And there would be several, as the, she started off with that, this great pitch where she was like saying all the right things. She says something like, do you want to know how to get a bikini body? Put a bikini on. And I was like, oh, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> but as time went on, she revealed more and more of her own internal conflict I imagine she was absolutely tiny but and and she was like a dancer she loved dance you know it was a she was doing being a PT for money you know she would have loved really to be a dancer I think and she um she would say things quite regularly that were like oh I don't know you know you're looking really like you can really see the muscles on your arms like is that is that the, is that where we're going with I don't know. It was very, and they were very, she'd offer me root one nutritional advice that I didn't want or need as well. And I knew I was being patronised by being told initially, just like start with like drinking more water. And it's like, mm, I, don't, I don't know. Anyway, I, I digress. Long story short, there was a woman in the gym who now I think looks like a bunch of the women I train with all the time, but in a commercial gym back in 2019 or whenever it was, this was a relatively rare sight it was just like a really ripped woman just a really strong woman she wasn't um a bodybuilder she I wouldn't say she just um she just had visible muscularity um and she was doing brilliant movement impressive looking movement it was drawing the attention of people in there just as anyone whenever anyone comes in and is particularly fast or strong People look at them a bit, don't they, in a, in, a, mm. in a normal gym. And so she was drawing a bit of attention. And I said something along the lines of, oh, my God, I, that woman is incredible. Like, I can't stop glimpsing at that woman. And and, um, and I can't remember her exact words now. It's been so long since I did that show. But the PT I was with said something like, oh, no, she looks a bit, I think she looks a bit manly. And I was like, what? She, I don't think she looks, I don't think that she looks very feminine. And I was like, what? what you're like a fitness professional what do you mean and like it was this really awkward conversation where she realized she'd fucked up like that I was the wrong audience for that conversation she while I'm literally like getting stronger with it, I was like 
why are we not celebrating the amazing things that woman's body can do? Like, and she was like, oh, I think what I just mean is like, and then the list went on. She was like, I, I, I think I just sort of like mean her legs. And I was like, uh, excuse me. I've got, I've got really big, I've got really massive quads. You asshole. What's wrong with her legs? You know, and she's like, what about her neck? And I was like, wow, no one wants a, no one's ever got, please go get a bigger neck. She hasn't done that on purpose. It's a byproduct of her brilliant functionality. Like it was blowing my mind. And then, yeah, it, we, we, in real, the only thing that sort of, I didn't like cut off the working relationship with her then and there, but I knew we were done in terms of being on the same page mm. about where I might want to get to. Not that I did at the time care about looking stronger, but I just couldn't believe that even a fitness professional had looked at somebody who was brilliant in yeah. terms of fitness and strength and gone, ugh. Yeah. Well, that's I don't think she looks like a lady enough, and it's like, oh fuck off! Who cares how much of a fucking lady? I don't think. Who? Why are we giving a fuck? Would isn't it amazing that she can clearly put one and a half times her body weight above her head? Like that's so cool. She will. She. She's so handy. <laughs> she's so useful and fit. She's put such a shift in to get that brilliant. It's just doing brilliant things with her body. If there's a byproduct, her neck is a millimetre wider than yours. Who cares? Yeah. Well, this like, is it's just the most patriarchal, thing. crushing thing to be like, well, it's all good and well being able to do those incredible things with your body, but I don't want to look like I wouldn't look great in a halter-neck dress. What? Who gives a fuck? Not me. Isn't it so frustrating yeah. that, like, still there are so many fitness professionals but in general, we're still living by these ideals that are like centuries old. Yeah. Like it's it's for yet yeah, on one hand, we're fighting for equality and you know, we want to be treated as individuals and women's rights, and but we've got to look a certain way and we've got to mm. we've got to act a certain way and, and we god damn it, we couldn't be strong. Like mm. absolutely terrifying. But you've gone and disproven that chest because you're hella strong. Do you want to do you want to talk about trying to pull a bus? Yeah, I mean, I, I did a strongman competition um, the summer before last, and then the final event was pulling a bus, and it was really fun. <laughs> it's basically um, it's like um, high reps deadlifting, basically. If you're into fitness, you basically got you have to sit in a tire, and the bus was sort of attached on a big rope quite far away, and your mm. initial pull. I had a big man in it as well, steering it. Yeah, and then you it's about, it's really interesting technique. It's basically like quick arms, but keep using your backs. Don't get, don't let it start moving so fast that you're using your arms. You've got to be using your legs and back. It's fascinating. I ended up being second in that event. Very mm. rubbish at lots of the other events. I was so nervous as well doing that. I felt more nervous than before any stand-up I've ever done before that competition. I was all green. I had to have two jelly babies. But yeah, it was really good fun. Just two. Yes. Just two. Yeah. Well, I, I would have had more, but actually I think I'd have puked. I was so, I had a really good, my trainer did a really good thing. I don't care about, I don't love sweeties. I don't hate them, but it's not like my go-to snack. I'd rather have like a mint straws or mini eggs. Anyway, um, I, in that moment, it's the it's the type of, I, I think I'd, I'd, I don't know what was happening with my blood sugar. But apparently I'd gone really grey and I looked like I was going to faint or puke. And he was like, have three, I think it was two or three Haribo or Jelly Babies or something. And did just transform my blood sugar very quickly and put, put me out of it. I think if I'd gone for a handful of them, it might have I'd overdone it and I'd have, mm. I'd have peaked up. Yeah. 
that's always that's always the thing they say with runs isn't it jelly babies and haribo and yeah I mean, it's put me off because i've done a couple of half marathons and they're out for free and when you're kind of on mile 11 and you're like i've got nothing left i'll just grab some jelly babies and then yeah you don't want to see them again until the next next one but they've ruined jelly babies for you <laughs> But that's, like, that's, that's incredible. I mean, it's an incredible thing in itself, but it's incredible to think that you're talking about 2019 when you started in the gym and yeah. working with a trainer to 2022, you're pulling a bus. Like yeah. the strength you've developed, and people think it's impossible. People think it's impossible. They do. They think, well, I'm never going to yeah. be able to do that, or I'm never going to be able to. You you've said about the people that you've spoken to that just think you will get too bulky or you just won't be able to achieve it and you can achieve like incredible strength in do you know what the scary thing is though is that if you'd have like listened and taken on board what that pt dick had said you know that you shouldn't look like her if if that had have you know if you'd been in a different place yeah you probably we wouldn't be where you were now and it's so important how people in general's language is you know but but fitness fitness professionals I mean the clues in the bloody word fitness professional Mm. um and if you'd have if you'd have as I say been in a different place this is my um nickname for dicks in the fitness industry pt dicks just because I mean I literally have like this whole thing going on my instagram about pt dick because there's so many of them yeah (laughs) i think that's the thing with weightlifting and that bus pull thing as well though it is like one of the things i love about it is um it's completely meritocratic like there's nowhere to hide with lifting weights like there are so many things that can come into um other types of fitness whereas with lifting whoever you are whatever you all everyone starts with an empty bar Every single lifter, every Olympic lifter you see, every strong man you see on TV started with an empty bar. And if you do it, if you build up slowly under the right guidance safely, and I think people think it's a dangerous sport, but it's really comical. Like it's the millionth of the injuries that you get from running or any football or anyway. If you do weightlifting consistently a few times a week, you just will get stronger and stronger and stronger indefinitely. Everyone will. And it's also such an accessible sport as well, I think, in terms of like mobility, access. Um, uh, there are ways of adapting different lifts for different types of um, physical ability. It's, yeah, it's it's basic. There's no like, there's no like, it's not like an, you've revi- revised for an exam where even on a run you can revise, you can train as hard as you can for a run but you won't necessarily have trained the course. So the inclines might be different. The weather might be different. The wind might be different. The people you're running around you in a pack might be different. In weightlifting, you pick it up and you put it down. <laughs> like it is what it is. And if you put the shift in, there is some psychology that comes into it and power and aggression and focus and all of those things. So it's not, there aren't no variables, but there are such limited variables. The harder you work, the better you'll do. And, and and I don't mean that in terms of um, real quick or anything like that. There's, it's just consistency over time. You get stronger. Anyone who does it will get stronger. And it feels lush. I think that, like that's sort of a perfect ending to, to everything we've been talking about because, yeah, you're entirely right. And your attitude towards exercise is just amazing. I think everything that you 
you put on your social media about exercise it shows how much you love it you you talk about it on your stories and you post about it on your page and I think you also your representation because I think that's what we need we need more women like female representation for other people to look at and think oh shit she can do it so maybe I can as well and yeah. it it's not like as you say you're not setting out to do it for anything it's not to to get to be a strong woman it's not to get to achieve a certain amount of weight or anything it's just because you want to and it makes you feel good it gives me a massive sense of achievement like when my numbers go up before I can lift I feel a sense of achievement I never thought that as an adult I would get from anything other than my family or my career I've got this thing that's just for me and I think it comes back again says well like you were saying how do you fit it all in it's like well I prioritize it because of the amount of joy it brings me but also it's it is self-care it's self it's for me it's purely for me some women like going to read a book for an hour on their own that's the thing they get to do for them in their head some people like to go oh I don't know you know all these different types of things that people do as their self-care to a spa to get their nails done whatever you do that's for you for me that time in my own head is for me it's my meditation it's my uh it's my all of those things I use my time all of that spare time is that in there for me and also it's 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 not just an achievement like this morning I genuinely I know on my programming today I've got a workout that I woke up feeling excited about doing that later that is I was like oh my, I never thought I'd be that guy I've basically got a really fun clean and jerk ladder to do and then I've got something that involves a few burpees over the bar but it's short reps and like and then after that and then I'm gonna film it my train and then I've got something where I get to practice my one pull up and like I can't wait I can't wait to go and do it. I don't really care how it goes. I'm giddy about going. It's just, I suppose it's all about enjoying the journey, isn't it? It doesn't, I don't really care where it goes. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. That's an amazing way to be. Oh. Well, I mean, I think it's about shifting motivations. I think there are some people who are motivated by goals or some people who are motivated by aesthetics. For me, it's about being less goal focused. And I think I think so many more people would be moving their body if they just went with the motivation of what type of movement's going to bring me joy because I do think there's something for everyone in every type of body and it and where that will just make them feel present in their body and proud of their body whatever body they're in I wish that was the motivation we were sort of pushing people to go into movement with just finding joy well we'll keep we will keep pushing that as much yeah me too go team We'll keep going. We'll keep going. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us. Pleasure. Been, great fun. Thanks for having me. It's been absolutely wonderful. And as I said, I'm a huge fan of yours. So everyone should go out there and listen to Jess's podcast. I'll get my words out, Hoovering. And we'll put the links to that in the show notes as well as to your social media pages. But thank you so much, Jess. Thank you.